My name is Diane Pavin with TP Farms in Waller, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. A leading figure in the Texas High Plains cotton industry is making a big career move. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. A group of lawmakers, including more than 20 from Texas, are working to permanently kill the death tax. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. The Texas Water Development Board is now accepting applications for the fiscal year 2024 Agricultural Water Conservation Grants. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more details in my report on Texas Ag Today. Now... Here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. We hear all the time about the need to tell the story of cattle production to the consuming public. And there is one Texan who's doing just that through the Beef Trailblazers program. Tucker Brown of the R.A. Brown Ranch in Throckmorton, Texas, was at the cattle industry convention in Orlando. You know, we say that that term a lot of telling our story, but um, what I love about what the Masters of Beef Advocacy has done helping train us to use the right terminology to best connect with the consumer. We have people within the city limits that have been separated two to three generations from the ranch. And so how can we reach those people? And that's really what got me thinking, you know, how can I see them? Because I'm not going to go meet them in Chicago. I'm not going to meet them in Philadelphia, but I can meet them through their phone. And so by using the by using social media and trying to put a face, a family face with beef to, to rebuild that connection, that trust with the consumer is really what I'm trying to do. Brown says it's all about building a connection with those consumers and showing them exactly who is producing the beef they eat. Showing them that over 90 percent of the farms and ranches in the U.S. are family owned by guys like me who've got two little girls that I take care of, you know, two, my two daughters, which I love dearly, which would be the seventh generation of our family ranch. So I, that's the, we have this phenomenal story to tell of being cowboys and, and, and caring for animals and storms and droughts and floods that we've gone through that they need to know. Cause if we don't tell our story, somebody else will. And so my goal and what I love, what the beef checkoff is doing is helping us have a team that tells that story, connects with our consumer, and really protects the future of our industry. That's Tucker Brown of the R.A. Brown Ranch, Throckmorton, Texas. He's part of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Beef Trailblazers program, which is funded by the Beef Checkoff. Electronic ID and traceability was a big topic at last week's Cattle Industry Convention in Orlando. I caught up with Ben Weinheimer there, president and CEO of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. He told me his organization believes there is a big need for traceability in the U.S. cattle industry. 
If we ever did have a very unfortunate reintroduction of foot and mouth disease in the U.S., it would be uh, devastating, have catastrophic consequences for the cattle uh, producers and uh, our export markets and trade. And so the quicker that we can diagnose uh, the origin of any outbreak of that nature, get it uh, isolated and uh, work to reopen those markets and get our business back to business as usual as quickly as possible. Ben Weinheimer with Texas Cattle Feeders. A leading figure in the Texas High Plains cotton industry is making a big career move. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Having devoted decades to the Texas High Plains cotton industry, Jane Deaver will retire from Texas A&M AgriLife on February 29th. She's been the cotton breeder at AgriLife's Lubbock Center since 2008, but earlier in her career also spent time with Bear Crop Science, the Texas Tech Fiber and Biopolymer Research Center, and Plains Cotton Cooperative Association. Overall, more than 40 years helping strengthen the cotton business. I asked Dr. Deaver to describe the progress of local cotton production over that time. Some things stay the same, like what you should be looking for in a cotton variety, and some things certainly have changed. From the very beginning when we first found the mutation on the stormproof bowl that came with a little bit of poor fiber quality to 19... 19- 83, when I started the Plains Cotton Improvement Program, which is a voluntary 10 cent checkoff that goes toward improving fiber quality, we've seen great improvements in our fiber quality. We have seen great improvements in breeding technology that allow us to effectively incorporate disease resistances and tolerances. And of course, the revolution with transgenic technology changed the way we select varieties, it changed the way seed was valued over the years, and those are just a few of the many changes. But when you've been in it long enough, you have a lot more patient perspective about the challenges and changes because you've seen them come and you've seen us deal with them. After leaving AgriLife, it's on to new challenges for Jane Deaver as she moves to South Carolina to become the director of the PD Research and Education Center at Clemson University. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. More than 20 lawmakers from Texas are working to permanently kill the death tax. Jessica Domel visits with one of those congressmen. More than 160 lawmakers, including 21 from Texas, have signaled their support for a new piece of legislation designed to permanently repeal the estate tax. U.S. Congressman August Pfluger of Texas joined Congressman Randy Feenstra of Iowa to introduce the Death Tax Repeal Act, or H.R. 7035. Pfluger said the death tax imposes an unfair and costly tax on the transfer of property, land, and other assets from a deceased family member to heirs of family farms and small businesses. Let's start with why this is so important. People don't understand how much goes into being a farmer and a rancher that yes, the land may be worth a certain amount, but that they're barely scraping by year to year, dependent on the weather, the input prices are through the roof, markets are unpredictable. And so at the end of the day, I wanna see the death tax completely repealed. And there's a lot of studies to suggest the actual economic input would be actually much higher. The revenues into the treasury would be higher and that this would spur economic activity. So instead of having the death tax returned to the previous levels of three and a half million or five million, this would actually just get rid of it completely. Current federal estate tax exemptions are expected to drop by roughly one half after 2025 when previous provisions sunset. 
it extends beyond agriculture. This is also Main Street businesses. These are family legacy businesses. Think about a pharmacy or a retail shop or a hardware store or something that's been in families for a couple of generations. No longer are they able to keep it with the death tax provisions the way that President Biden wants. So what we want to do is actually spur on that economic activity, whether it's a farm or a ranch or even a Main Street business. Um, and I think we're going to get a lot of supporters. I wouldn't be surprised if we got supporters from the other side of the aisle. Uh, Democrats who understand this as well. Really, the job at hand is building that consensus. The legislation has been referred to the House Committee on Ways and Means. We're working through a couple of tax provisions, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 had in them that are expiring. And, and this is set to expire at the end of 25, the, the exemption all the way up to $11 million. And so we will work through the committee, Ways and Means. I've got a great partner on this, uh, and Jody Arrington, somebody who is an advocate for farmers and ranchers on the Ways and Means Committee. And so we'll get this you know, basically established and, and hope to get it to the top of the list in the coming months. As you know, these things do take a lot of time. That was Congressman August Pfluger of Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The application period for the Texas Water Development Board's Agricultural Conservation Grants is now open. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The Texas Water Development Board is now accepting applications for fiscal year 2024. The Agricultural Water Conservation Grants Program Applications are due to the TWDB by April 3rd at 2 p.m. To talk more about the process, we go to Antonio Delgado. He is with the Texas Water Development Board based in Austin. Antonio is part of the Agricultural Water Conservation Team. Antonio, uh, up to $1.5 million in grant funding is uh, available uh, to eligible political subdivision state agencies. Uh, what are these grants attempting to uh, improve uh, project-wise? So we're looking to improve agricultural water conservation efficiency across the state. So you know, our producers are already doing their best uh, at saving water, and we want to make sure that they have the funds available to make those improvements. Water conservation is one of the least costly water strategies. It can be costly. You know, a meter can run upwards of $3,000 just to put an irrigation meter on. Our agricultural water conservation grants program is looking to improve irrigation efficiency across the state by supporting the state water plan and other water management strategies. Eligible political subdivisions and state agencies can apply for these grants and receive more information at TWDB webinars on February 7th, March 6th, and March 27th. Those will be held from 11 a.m. to noon. You can just go to our website and there's a link there to register for the webinar. The application instructions are on our website. That is Antonio Delgado with the Texas Water Development Board. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's good news and not so good news for agriculture here on the Rolling Plains, which I guess means it's really not news. Oh well, I'm Barry Mahler and I'm going to tell you about it in today's report. And horses commonly develop joint injuries, but rehab can help. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, 
We're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Making Texas agriculture great again. This is Texas Ag Today. There's good news and not so good news for agriculture in the Texas Rolling Plains. Barry Mahler has this update from the Wichita Falls area. I saw something this week that I'd not seen in a while. Water standing in a wheat field. Now, I know some of you are thinking, boy, it doesn't take much to impress him anymore. But when you consider it's been many months and maybe even a couple of years since I've witnessed that, it is a big deal. We've had just enough rain to get this crop up and growing, but never the good, plentiful rain that will boost our subsoil moisture and help get this crop through, say, a a dry, windy March or maybe the hot temperatures that can show up very early in the maturity phase of the crop. You know, things we know can happen this time of the year, so we're always trying to get ready for it. Well, I guess I should do the disclaimer here and admit that the Rolling Plains is a big area of the state, and I realize the one and a half to even two and a half inches of rain didn't fall everywhere, but it did right here in my local area, so let me celebrate a little, and we'll be glad to share the next one with our neighbors out west, and uh, we'll all be fortunate for that. The downside to this is that a rain like this, although pretty rare in January, won't get us to the finish line on this crop, but it is a start, so we're going to enjoy it while we can. Meanwhile, the crop looking better. We turn to the market, and the news there is not so good. The grain markets continue to trend lower on corn, wheat, sorghum, and soybeans, and with the high input costs on these crops, $5 a bushel wheat just won't work anymore. Now, recent 23 and 24 wheat ending stocks report were lowered 11 million bushels in the latest World Agriculture Supply and Demand Estimate. And that would be good news, and it would be except for the fact that the global wheat outlook, what we're about to harvest for 23-24, is for larger supplies compared to a month ago. Now, I can go on and on about this category and that report, but the bottom line from all of this is that there is plenty of wheat in the world right now, and the market is trending lower, and that is not good news for farmers on the rolling plains. So I see farmers falling back to the advice that the ag economists have been giving us ever since I started in this industry, and it goes something like this. Raising a good crop is always better than not. Watch input costs and be watching for marketing opportunities when they show up and be ready to get some sold on a moment's notice. And I see a lot of that happening in the area right now. So with that going on, let's just take a moment and just enjoy that good rain for now. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Muller for Texas Ag Today. Horses commonly develop joint injuries. Dr. Bob Judd says rehabilitation has been helpful in healing those injuries. Dr. Janine Wilson indicates in the horse publication that the most important issue is to get an accurate diagnosis. Your veterinarian must know the specific tissues involved to set up an effective rehab program. Bones heal faster than ligaments or tendons, and several tissues can be involved at one time, which makes the rehab more difficult. It requires one full year for the skin to reach 70% of its original strength and healing may be delayed over a moving joint. Depending on the bone, most heal in six to eight weeks, while tendons require one full year for just 80% healing to occur. And since cartilage has no blood supply, it heals slowly with abnormal tissue. 
Just because a muscle or tendon is functioning does not mean it can withstand a full load. And this is where re-injuries occur, as lots of time owners and trainers do not want to give the horse time to heal. Dr. Raquel Baccarin from Brazil indicates you cannot have a standard rehab program for every horse, as your veterinarian must design a specific rehab program for your specific horse's injury. One of the most difficult parts of rehab is the initial period of stall rest, and it is not natural for horses to be confined to a small stall without exercise for extended periods. Turning horses out is usually not effective as rehab, as the horses are uncontrolled and the re-injuries are common. A gradual return to exercise is required, and monitoring rehab with diagnostics like ultrasound and x-rays is important prior to increasing every level of exercise to make sure that healing is occurring correctly. Just using the initial exam and imaging without following up with your veterinarian is dangerous, as your vet must monitor every stage of healing. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA President Amara Jackson from Michigan. What better way to show your support of FFA members than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. Sometimes you love them, sometimes you cuss them. Here's a look at the markets on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex rallied higher on Tuesday, supported by higher boxed beef prices and packers' increased slaughter speeds. February live cattle up $3.27 to 183. April live cattle up 372 to 186.07. June live cattle up 265 to 183.12. Supported by cheaper corn and live cattle trade, feeder cattle traded higher Tuesday. March feeder cattle up 392 to 246.67. April feeder cattle up $3.45 to 251.70. May feeder cattle up $3 even to 256.32. Boxed beef was higher Tuesday. Choice up 224 to 295.72. Select up 43 cents to 284.20. Now let's take a look at those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Roads, Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers sold a Monday. Riley, how did it go? It went good, Larry. I um, ended up with uh, 2,004 head. Market held steady with last week. You know, everything, there's lots of demand on all classes and cows. Uh, we get a little bit more activity on the on the replacement market as well after the recent rains. I had a few pairs, anywhere from 1,200 up to 2,150. Red cows from 1,050 up to 1,850. The Packer cows, though, they were also steady money, 110 to 120 on your high-yielding cows. 104 to 114 on your breakers, 76 to 92 in your canners. Same story on the Packer Bulls, high yielding bulls, 126 to 132, low to medium yielding, 106 to 
206-126. Two to three weight choice steers, 316 to 386. A heifer mates, 304 to 338. Three to four weight choice steers, 302 to 382. Heifer mates, 288 to 334. The four to five weight choice steers, 284 to 340. Heifer mates, 246 up to $3. Five to six weight choice steers, 252 to 296. Heifer mates, 224 to 258. Six to seven weight choice steers, 232 to 268. Heifer mates, 224 to 242. And the seven to eight weight cattle, your choice steers, 208 to 236. And the heifer mates, 210 to 228. So real pleased with it yesterday. Uh, had another good sale and uh, market continues to stay, uh, you know, at a, at a rapid pace. Do you know of anything for next week? Uh, there's a couple of groups coming. Um, I think it'll slow down a little bit what it has been this last couple of weeks, uh, but I'm kind of expecting maybe twelve to 1500 from next week. At Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers, Riley and crew sell every Monday. Riley, tell everybody how to contact you. 361-786-2553 is the office. 361-813-6650 is the cell. LiveOakLivestock.com is the web. Riley, thanks for the call. Thank you, sir. Neighbor, I do believe that's all the time they're going to give us here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network for Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble. That was Riley Rhodes. You're listening to us right this second on a fine program. It's called Texas Ag Today. Lean hogs were lower Tuesday due to a lack of fundamental support. February lean hogs down 92 cents to 73.47. April lean hogs down 95 cents to 81.25. February class 3 milk fell a dime to 16.25 a hundredweight. March class 3 milk down 37 cents to 17.40 a hundredweight. Cotton traded higher on Tuesday, supported by a triple-digit rally in the Dow and a falling dollar. March cotton up 50 points to 87.54. May cotton up 37 points to 88.40. December cotton up 14 points to 82.27. March corn down 4 to 4.38 and 3 quarters. May corn down 2 and 3 quarters to 4.50 and a half. September corn down 3 quarters to 4.67 and 3 quarters. March hard red wheat up four and a half to six eighteen and a half. May hard red wheat up three to six fifteen and three quarters. July hard red wheat up one to six oh nine. March natural gas down seven cents to two dollars even. April natural gas down seven cents to two dollars even. March crude oil rose seventy six cents Tuesday to seventy three fifty four. April crude oil up seventy three cents to seventy three fifty eight. The Dow rose 50 points to 38,429. The S&P 500 up one point to 4,943. And the NASDAQ fell 32 points to 15,565. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.